Welcome to the IndieWire Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Jim Hemphill, feature writer for craft and special projects at IndieWire. And my guest today is one of my favorites, cinematographer Mandy Walker. I've been a fan of hers going back now. I think it's about 20 years since I saw Lantana at the Telluride Film Festival. And since then, she's done a ton of great movies, Shattered Glass, Hidden Figures, Jane Got a Gun, Mountain Between Us, Australia, Mulan, which is incredible. And of course, she is now Oscar nominated for one of my favorite movies from last year, Elvis, which I've been singing the praises of on IndieWire's site going back to June. So uh, I'm very excited to have her here to talk about that film and other things. Uh, Welcome, Mandy. Thanks, Jim. Happy to be here. I guess I want to start by going back a little bit to the beginning of your relationship with Baz. What was the first thing the two of you worked on and where were you at in your career at that time? I had actually just shot Lantana and and Baz had seen it and uh, he was doing um, a little, we call them short films, they were uh, Chanel number no. 5 uh, commercials, um, you know, and they were, we call them short films because they're like five minute commercials and he had seen my work and he called me into his office and, and um, wanted to talk to me about doing this commercial and I'd been shooting a lot of commercials at the time and he was a fan of my work on Lantana and it was a really great first interview and we both spent a lot of time talking about photography and and um, influences and, and his script and from then on, you know, th- that was 20 years ago and we've been working together on now this is our fourth project together because we did another Chanel and then we did Australia and then Elvis. Well, now Australia, I feel like, unless I'm forgetting something in your filmography, I mean, that was a pretty huge step up in terms of scale and resources compared to what you had been doing before that. I mean, what was the learning curve like going from again, like indies like Lantana and stuff like that to an enormous studio production like Australia? Yes, it was a big jump. I I I had been doing like high-end commercials. So, you know, I, I sort of had done some big camera setups and big lighting setups on those, but not on a movie. And something Baz said to me really early on in our discussions because he he got me in and, and started talking about it and said, I know this is a big jump for you. And he said, I feel that you can do it and I, and I trust that you can do it. And um, he said, but what you're going to learn from this is you're an artist and a technician, but now you're going to be a general. And that was something that really stuck with me because, you know, I had probably over a hundred people in that I was responsible for in, in um, my lighting grip, electric camera, um, department. So, and two second units we were running and, um, and that was something that really just clicked with me. And I knew from then on that it was, that was also about, you know, management and politics of running a set and things like that. And then I remember my gaffer who'd been doing a lot of big movies, he said to me, oh, Mandy, it's just the same, but bigger. And I went, oh, Okay, and that kind of was something that stuck with me too because it is, you know, instead of doing a, a room with two windows, I'm doing a, a set with 30 windows, you know, and, and it was sort of I didn't find it daunting. I, I felt I was up to the task and um, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. Well, when you mentioned having all of those, you know, a team of 100 people that you're in charge of and different units and all that kind of thing, I mean, it makes me think about a movie like Elvis that is so – audacious and unique. How do you get all of those people on the same page knowing what kind of movie you're making? For a start, 
Baz gets me involved really early. And I, I we started talking about nine months before pre-production and I was there for Austin's audition that Baz, uh, he calls it more a workshop. It was a workshop. He was he was dressed and he was performing and, and I was there with a stills camera starting to observe and look at angles on him and, and you know, angles on the performance and then starting to look at lensing and so those discussions start really early. And the research that I do myself, um, you know, it was a soft prep so I was back and forward and doing stuff at home and then I always get my team involved early as I can as well and bring them in. We have a meeting with Baz talk, and we talk about story and then um, I got them all to learn the music and then um, when once they started on the production, uh, we were in Austin's uh, choreography rehearsals, and uh, and um, we I would bring the team in to watch, and then we would start uh, you know observing um, with uh, viewfinders, and then we brought the cameras in, and so it was a process of getting everybody very familiar. Because one of the things that um, we had talked about really early on was that the camera had to dance with Elvis. So that was like one of my main priorities and also to um, represent what Baz called the train spotting elements of the film, which are replicating the existing concerts that you can go online and watch. Anyone can go and see them. So I had to study and research and built lenses and worked out a way of, um, you know, having enough cameras there that we would be able to film that that um, those shots exactly and, and replicate them. But then also there's the the drama of the movie. So m- with my team, I had to get them, one, to learn and, and work out the exact camera positions and the lenses. I built lenses for the two sets of lenses for the movie, ones that take us 50s into 60s and then anamorphic from the 70s. Um, but the being very conscious the whole time that we're making a drama. So whenever there's a musical sequence going on, there's always drama in the background. So how to integrate that in the visual language was really um, important for me. And and I just think I get my people in as early as I can and get them on the same page and make sure everybody knows exactly what's going on, what our plans are, what Baz and I had talked about in terms of shooting each sequence. And um, so when we turn up on set, everybody was really comfortable knowing what was going on. We never would work, walk on set and say, oh, what are we doing today? You know, it was always – because it was not a long shoot. It was like 93 days. We had over 100 sets. So – there and some of them were huge and we were there for a certain amount of days. So it was a big task and I wanted to make sure we were as prepped as we could be. Well, there's a lot of things in there I want to follow up on. One is you said that you were there for Austin Butler's workshopping and auditions and, and things like that. What kinds of things were you learning during those workshopping sessions that sort of informed the way you shot him during the movie? It was about the angles that he looked most like Elvis because he had there was it was also a makeup and hair test too at the same time um so we were all exploring and then um yeah so we would look at sort of certain three quarter or and and then for me because he was doing a performance as well of suspicious minds looking at a wide angle lens what that looked like with the certain dance moves and the speed and the sort of because the other thing was i had to by the time we shot him on stage he had to feel comfortable with us being there too because we were right in his face with cranes and 
and sometimes handheld cameras. And so that that process started right right then and there. You know, I'm curious, you mentioned the lenses. In terms of the spherical and the anamorphic, what was the thinking behind using the two different types of lenses? It was mainly to represent um, visually the time period more than anything else and, and also to be able to replicate that footage that was shot in that time. So the spherical lenses to me did two things actually. Um, it, it represented the 50s and my reference for the 50s, a lot of it was um, stills photographs and some of we had or you know access to a lot of Elvis's stills that his family took or and stills from um, Memphis that were from that time period from photographers like Gordon Parks and Sol Leiter. And I felt like that was sort of a flatter image, you know, that that um, represented that period. Um, so we went spherical and the lenses, I, I did a lot of the different looks between the 50s and 60s with lookup tables with LUTs in camera. And I worked those out during testing time in pre-production in terms of the colour palette. And, and we did very extensive camera tests with um, the art department, costume, makeup, hair, and myself with lighting. And so I was testing also um, period lighting and seeing what that was looking like. So by the time we got to the 60s, we were into a more kind of Hollywood, Kodachrome type of higher contrast, high key look and more saturated colours. And then I went anamorphic for 70s because it represented to me Vegas especially. And one of our references was that film, uh, the documentary, That's the Way It Is. And I had to replicate that footage as well, as well as the Unchained Melody too. So I felt like that represented the 70s to me and an audience. And also I had all the original aberrations put back into those lenses. I had them built so that the, all the sort of distortion and the flare and the bouquet was indicative of lenses of that time because, you know, lenses in the uh, new lenses, anamorphic lenses these days are much more pristine and perfect. Um, so I had all that stuff redone and taken out. Now, you mentioned the Vegas material. I read somewhere a quote from you or it, some interview. I, I feel like I read that you said one of the biggest challenges in the movie was the uh, the Hilton showroom material. What was it about that that made it such a big challenge? All the concerts were shot on stage. We built those stages. They were not shot in a venue or any um, theatre. I mean, I remember us talking about it originally, but we decided that we had to build them perfectly matching the actual existing um, footage, as I was saying. So that Vegas showroom was a gigantic set and um, it encompassed the whole backstage area, the side of the stage and the dressing rooms, the wings, the, the, the actual stage, and then a third of the audience was built with the bonquettes and um, then extended by VFX beautifully, I have to say, later on. And uh, so that set took months to build and we would just go back um, many times checking things and, and, and talking about the huge curtain that they put in. That was another thing. That was the rigging for that curtain. It was so, that gold lame curtain. It was so heavy and, and amazing. Um, so it was, a you know, for all of us, it was a really big um, task. But also for me, I remember in early prep, myself and the gaffer, he said to me, well, maybe we need to get in a theatrical lighting team to set this up because we've got to set up from scratch. And the next morning I remember going to work and saying, no, 
we can do this. Let's do it. We're going to do it. We we can, you know, do it ourselves. So we started scouring, looking for old period lighting, concert lighting, and then integrating it into LED modern lights as much as I could. So that was the biggest challenge for me, I think, is to, to make that showroom look um, exactly like it did in the 70s, but to give myself as much... Um, freedom with the lighting in terms of colour and dimming by using LED when I could. So the backdrop, for instance, is lit with LEDs. A lot, I had some rock and roll mover lights hidden up in the ceiling and things like that. So that kind of was a huge challenge for me, but also I think the most rewarding because I'm very proud of what we did. You know, the first time he comes out for that first concert, we shot that in one go you know we did it we had five cameras planted everywhere but Austin walked from backstage side stage um tuned his guitar went into the wings and went on on stage and did the full concert and we shot it all in one go so I had to make the whole thing work as um a a location um for a really big setup for um and and to be exactly the same as as what we the reference was so I'm really proud of that that um that set. You know, mentioning the the sort of digital extensions of the crowd and everything, you know, I was thinking about the visual effects in this movie because there are a lot of scenes that on first viewing I didn't necessarily think about as visual effect shots until I realized, well, you shot this whole movie in Australia. <laughs> you know, you're creating Vegas and Graceland and all these things. So clearly something like, you know, I'm, I remember a shot in the movie that's very beautiful of Austin standing at the window of his hotel and you kind of go outside and there's this huge exterior of Vegas, which obviously has to be visual effects because you, again, you guys were in Australia. So how closely are you collaborating with the visual effects department on a movie like this? Very closely. And, and I'm checking in with them as early as I can. Like we both um, were starting at the same time on the film. And what I always do in those situations is, um, get together with the art department and find the reference that we feel is the most like what is going to end up out there and that's how I light. So I'll pick photographs or um, some of the, um, uh, you know, archival footage and say this is what we're going to do and this is where the sun is or these are where the lights are, this is the colour. And, for instance, um, in that hotel room he was right next to the the international sign, the red one, and it would flash and and dim and go up and down. So we had that as a reference and I had that um, feeling of that coming into his room as well. But I always make sure that, like, what I do every week is I have a document that um, I make up with my um, assistant and it has you know, location pictures, reference images, any concept art from the art department, any information from VFX and any references that I think are relevant, like where the sun's going to be. For instance, a scene where Elvis goes into the hospital room when Colonel's in hospital and the Colonel opens the window and shows him the International Hotel and I picked a spot where the sun was going to be reflecting off that building and shining on them and it was like a spotlight. It was like a reference to this is what the experience is going to be for you. And so I I had pictures and and planned exactly what it was going to be and then talked to the art department and, and visual effects. So I always know what's going to be outside and that's how it's influencing the lighting. Another scene I'll, I'll tell you about that um, was a, a big um, sort of collaboration on in that sense was 
the Russ Wood concert, which was the concert where he sings Trouble, the exterior and the baseball field. And we shot that on stage and we were going to shoot it outside. And um, I remember it was the rainy season and when it was in the schedule, there was forecast all these days of rain and we went, oh no, like after the first day, it's going to be muddy and there's 400 extras and it's going to be terrible from then on. So we put it on stage, but we the stage is obviously like a quarter of the size of the baseball field. So I had to work out how that you know, they have those banks of, of like they would have been Klieg lights or something in those days, banks of stadium lights. And because I couldn't get them back as far as, as the ones that were, were in reality, I made up banks of maxi brutes, which are film lights that were a quarter of the size. And so I did testing where I put them at a distance as far as I could and shoot them in camera and I had a bit of atmosphere and I worked out what depth of field I needed for it to look like they were further away. So that was another sort of, and then I'd worked with the VFX because I knew they were putting stadium seating in the in the distance as well. So that was sort of a, a collaboration between all of us and the art department again in the extending the, um, the grassy area, making it look like it went further and, and, uh, yeah, make, making it work on stage, looking like it's night exterior. Well, I'm mentioning the art department uh, leads me to a question about another collaborator. You know, here you work. We've talked about you working with Baz. Um, a key component of that is working with Catherine Martin, his wife, who's also costume designer, production designer, co-producer. Um, talk a little bit about that relationship. Well, uh, I have a great relationship with CM as well, and and because we did Australia together, and and the Chanel. Um, films as well. And she's there right from the beginning as well. And by the time my first meeting is with Baz on all of these projects, he and CM have already researched the historical part of it, you know. So he had a book with, that um, of all the references of scenes that pertain to what was in the script at the time and and they'd already started working on gathering, you know, uh, research material. So I think with Baz, he's one of those people that he's such a great collaborator and communicator. So he will get all the departments together and editorial. They came on the same time as me as well. And we would get together and Karen Murphy was there who's um, co-production designing with CM and we'd have quite a few meetings where we all would bring all our research and all our elements together and work with Baz in finding a, you know, coherence with the visual language. And so... I, I check in with them all the time. Well, as soon as I've started, we're constantly talking. And in our camera tests, you know, we're always testing. We never do a camera test of an actor in front of a bit of grey card like happens on a lot of movies. But for, for Baz, he has to see everything as much as possible. So we would have elements of sets and then I would be testing certain lighting and we'd be testing at the same time a costume, a wig, some makeup, some prosthetics. And... Um, so we're all, you know, getting everything perfectly in harmony. So by the time we get to the set, for instance, Beale Street, which was also uh, a back lot, we built four blocks of Beale Street, um, one and a half storeys to two storeys high. And the colour palette of that is very important because it had to represent that period to an audience and also... We never wanted to be fighting against each other with with colour, you know, because I had a very strong look-up table on that, a very strong 
colour grading on that those images and it worked with the colours that were in the sets and the props and the costume and the cars and everything had to be, in, in you know, together, working together and not against each other. So we did a lot of testing of elements along the way that, you know, they would be thinking of certain colour and I would put it in front of the camera and at the same time we'd also be looking at maybe a camera move that we were planning on doing too because there's... A lot of um, our pre-production was also about the uh, the transitions between the sets because if we're outside in Beale Street and then we cut to inside Club Handy, you know, where um, B.B. King is and where um, Elvis is looking up into the window when Shonka's singing Hound Dog, there's a transition between the set to outside to the set inside. So those transitions I had to work out beforehand. So the camera would move. I knew what the camera moves were and plan them so that it would seem seamless. So we were constantly talking back and forth about all that together. You know, it seems to me like Baz Luhrmann's movies, when I talk to you or have talked to other people who worked on Elvis, I mean, it seems like such a singular experience for all kinds of reasons. I mean, just even thinking about the fact that you and the editors and, you know, every that everyone is there so early and everyone's working together. And it, I think it is part of why he can make these very unified movies. And again, just things like doing the, the tests as you know, with as many different uh, factors as you're talking about. But you've also, you know, you've made a lot of other great movies that I talked about in the intro. And I'm curious for you, is there something that the directors you work well with have in common? Is there something you look for in a director-cinematographer relationship or are they all different and that's okay? They are all different and it is okay. I think, you know, for someone like Baz, he he is what I call, he's a visionary. Like he has an, a very strong idea of the vision and gets, but he's also a great collaborator because he gets everyone involved so they bring their expertise into the process. Um, and sometimes I work with directors that, that are not visual and, and they, but they're storytellers just the same, but they'll ask for me to be um, a bigger part of working out the visual language. And um, and then there's some directors that will bring exactly what they want to do and the storyboards and the images and, and I'm following that and, you know, and helping out as much as I can, but they've got a very, very strong idea. So they're all, it's all always different. I, mean, I have to be a little bit of a chameleon. But the, the thing that I try and do is be as prepared as I can because I also, even on Elvis, is um, I want to be open to letting something happen in the moment as well. So... I tend to light the sets in 360 degrees, even if we haven't planned it, and everything's on a dimmer board, so I can look one way, and the, you know the behind us is turned off, and then when we turn around, it's, we can turn it on, and I, I have that ability to light um, any angle. Because what Baz does, for instance, is that we do everything we plan, and then make sure that if something happens in the moment, or we see something, or he sees something, or Austin does something, we're prepared to go with the flow and to you know spin around and and look at something on a different angle, some magic that we see at the time. And especially when you've got like on those concerts, I had five cameras going, and once we got what we needed, then it was about exploring and um, making sure that there was time in our schedule to do that. And then I like to be able to give him that freedom too. And um, so I do do that. I like to be really prepared as much as I can to give the director their time. So I'm not wasting time if someone says, 
oh, can we just look that way? I know we, didn't, we never talked about looking over there, but can we look over there? And I will make it so that, yes, we can. You're not going to take half a day to make that work. I can do that. So I, as much as I can, I'll try and do that. Is that something you learned over the course of your career? I mean, or was it, you know, did you, early in your career, did you find that you need, you know, maybe you didn't come in with that kind of flexibility and it was a problem that you had to figure out how to solve? Yeah, I did learn that. And, and I think I learned that on Australia. And I learned it from Baz because he will always push you to make things better. And he, he'll, you know, as, as prepared as we are, um, you know, we'll have a meeting about something that's coming up and, and he may have an idea and say, and Mandy, we could do that, couldn't we? And I have to say, well, yeah, okay. So it's sort of like as, as much as I plan, you know, in pre-production, I, I, he will make – it's hard to explain, but he will push you to make it even better. And um, so now I always try and put myself in a position where I'm not going to be scrambling because I think and use I use my pre-production really well. And, and I want, when we get there on the day, I want the director to have as much time and flexibility as they can and, and the actors, you know, to, to feel like that's, a, that, that's where all our energies going into that and not waiting for me, you know? Yeah, I'm always curious with filmmakers how they view their own work versus how the audience and, you know, journalists and critics and everything view it. And, like, you know, so for me, with something like Elvis, I look at it as somebody who has, again, been following you since your second or third or fourth movie. I don't know where Lantana fell in your career, but pretty early on. Um, you know, I look at Elvis and I feel like this is kind of – culmination for you like I just feel like you built up to this and this is your best movie to date I mean it's the most ambitious it's both in terms of scale but then also intimacy I mean there's also just there's so much great character stuff in here and the the work you do not just with Austin I mean we're talking a lot about Austin Butler but uh you know thinking about all those kind of intensely subjective scenes with Tom Hanks you know which are really really beautifully lit And, and I'm curious for you how you look at these things. I mean, did this feel special to you the way that it felt to me as a viewer? I mean, did it feel like it was something you had kind of been building up to? And Thanks, Jim. Yes, it is. And I feel like um, I like to be challenged on films and I like to, to work in different genres. Uh, and Elvis was the most difficult task for me and um, really I feel like made me step up because um, – it, it was, as you say, it was it was also, as well as shooting the concerts and dancing with Elvis, which was one of the directives that we, we knew that we'd be doing really early on. There's also flying with Elvis. So there was that, that was in the back of my mind. So when he was flying, we were flying. So it was getting, you know, being able to have the right equipment to be able to spin around and fly up into the air, like at the carnival, for instance. And also, as you say, it's those intimate moments of the drama and, and being very elegant and very very kind of observational is, is how I felt I needed to be in those. And it's also the integration of that visual language into the movie of those three sort of ways of camera language so that um, I never wanted the audience to feel like they're in a different film. So, you know, when there's a performance going on, there's always drama happening in the background. And and like you say, I feel like sometimes it's a gut feeling or an emotional feeling about how to move the camera or not move the camera. And I, and I don't feel like um, my camera moves 
uh, on a film like this for no reason. You know, there's got to be a motivation, whether it's musical or transitional or dramatic, and that's that's kind of the cue for me. And I and a lot of the time, I feel like it's something that I work out beforehand. But I'm just so conscious of the movie flowing, you know, and and not jumping around too much that puts you out of the film. So I I. You know, I'm glad you say that because that was my intention. And were there things you learned on this movie that you think you'll be taking on to future work? And and what is what is next for you? I did learn a lot from this movie, and I I do learn a lot from every movie. You know, there's something working in the snow or, or um, working in the desert. I feel like I sort of I could take on any task at this point because that was the biggest thing I've done and I agree it is my best work and I'm really proud of this film and for what we all did because I feel like there's a there's a real singular voice and it comes from Baz that we all embraced and and um, brought to the screen in a really beautiful way uh, so yeah I, I I'm probably more confident you know than anything else I just finished shooting principal photography on Snow White a live action Snow White for Disney with Mark Webb directing. Um, I've been working on that for a year. So uh, yeah, literally just finished at the end of the year. Last year. All right. Well, looking forward to it. Thank, Thank you, you so much for taking the time Thank to come you, and Tim. talk with me, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Happy to be here. 